Welcome to the Bonner Broadcast, a Bonner Pipeline Project Initiative where we are providing professional development resources for civically engaged leaders in the higher education and nonprofit sector. In this series, we'll be focusing on leadership and how we can create effective change within our teams, programs, careers, and within ourselves. In the first episode of this series, we learned all about navigating power relationships. The episode is available on the Bonner Network YouTube channel or on the Bonner Wiki. Today, we are covering the power of followership. We are going to take a deeper look into how a team can create more effective change through each individual playing a key role in the mission. Before we jump in, I want to introduce our featured guests who will be sharing their experience and insight throughout this training. My name is uh, Dr. Daniel Fidalgo Tomei. I am the Director of Service Learning at Stockton University. And I've been here about nine years. Prior to that, I was at the City College of New York, uh, part of the CUNY system in Harlem. And I also have worked for the Board of Public Higher Education in the state of Massachusetts, running undergraduate research. I have, you know, things on the walls that say that I, I have a degree in organizational leadership, in social justice education, and environmental policy. You know, my education really has given me the platform for what I really wanted to do, which is necessarily help and work with people. I myself am a first-generation student whose parents were immigrants. Um, English is not my first language. And uh, growing up, I was in programs like Upper Bound and EOF, which really supported me to be uh, the support system that now I am to a lot of my students, and specifically our Bonner leaders here at Stockton. I'm Gretchen Milkey. I'm the Assistant Dean for Civic Engagement at Widener University. And I do this work because I love it. I have been doing community service since childhood. I think it's genetic. Didn't even know what service was at that point and have just kind of fallen into this path of kind of purposeful, meaningful community work. I love the ability to inspire students. Like when I was a student, I was like, I'm going to be extraordinary. And then I realized that when I got a little older, I really wanted to help train students to be extraordinary. And that was kind of my My name is James Shields. I'm the director of the Bonner Center for Community Service and Learning here at Guilford College. Well, I started in 2001, so a little over 18 years. I uh, came into this actually kind of later in life. I was an adult student at Guilford College, and my intent was to be a history professor. And not long after I got my degree uh, at Guilford, the position in the Bonner Center opened up and it sounded very intriguing to me. It's something that I've been involved in. I've worked with youth um, most of my professional life, uh, regardless of what kind of job I had. And, and this idea of being able to work with um, college students, uh, making a difference, while at the same time helping them to develop skills, kind of helping them with their transformation um, was, was just very appealing to me. And um, so that's really why I do it. Now that we've gotten to know our guests a little bit better, let's dive right in. Each episode of this series will include different concepts and opinions of our guests, so it may be helpful to keep a pen and paper nearby to jot down some notes that you want to remember. At the end of this episode, there will be an interactive piece for you to participate in so you can apply all that you've learned to real-life scenarios. We've got a lot to learn today, so let's get started. We've all heard that phrase, 
anyone can be a leader or everyone is a leader too many times to count. Today we are going to break that phrase down a little bit and talk about the overglorification of leadership and the importance and power of following. Because when it comes down to it, not everyone may flow naturally into that leadership position, but everyone has the powerful influence that can and should be used in many different ways, including both leading and following. For there to be a healthy team, someone must step up and guide the group. But more importantly, others must step back and agree to stand with the leader and follow them. Really, I think a better way of rephrasing that saying is to say that everyone has influence. Everyone has the power to change opinions, to guide actions, and to aid to a cause no matter what their position or title is within the group or team. The hard part is finding your place in a team and learning how to enact change as a follower. This is what we're going to be diving into today, and hopefully we can all walk away with a better sense of power. The hard part is finding your place in a team and learning how to enact change as a follower. That is what we're going to be diving into today, and hopefully we will all walk away with a better grasp on the power each position holds in a team. To get us started, we need to define what followership or the act of following even is. Daniel Tomei from Stockton University and Gretchen Milkey from Widener College are here to give us their insight on the definition of followership. To define the follower or following, I think it has to do with uh, creating a reciprocal relationship and making sure that the reason I'm following somebody is because I believe in the work that I'm doing. There's there's a reason behind why I am attracted to that issue, that cause, the, the persona of the person, right? The, the character has a large reason as to why I follow, you know, it's, it's why I follow things online, right? It's because I'm interested in it or I, I find a connection, right? And that connection, I think, has to do with that relationship and that the benefit for recognizing being a follower, having followers are, are both the same thing in many ways to me. I think that you need to be conscious of how to move forward um, and make sure you have a path, but also recognizing that the path isn't going down by itself. It's going down with a collective. The follower helps in making that larger point. Scholarship, I think, is totally underrated. Like, we didn't talk about that when I was in college. I have no idea why, because we should have. Because we talked a lot about leadership, but we didn't talk yeah. at all about following. I would say leadership and followership, one is your left leg, one is your right leg. You have to exercise both, or you can't walk. You know, you want them, they both need to be strong, they both need to be practiced, they both need to be exercised. Uh, you need to take care of it, you need to give it a bath, you need, you know, you need to, like, do some workshops on it, take some trainings on it, you need to practice your communication. You need to practice your, your appearance, your attire. So with followership, it's the same thing. And I think that it's like equal development, equal use, equal need, and you have to be good at both or you can't walk. And if you're really good at both, you can run, but you have to like slow down sometimes or walk as well. So I think that it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Not everybody can be a leader. It's like when all the type A people get in the same room and like nothing goes forward because no one's learned that they have to shut up and follow somebody. So I think that followership is is equally important to leadership. You have to learn when it's your time to not take the lead and to follow someone's decision, whether you agree with it or not. And sometimes you even have to learn to like fake it till you make it. Like you have 
you will have to support that decision as if it is your own decision and and back that person up even if it's not like the choice that you would have made while going through this training i want to emphasize that i'm not trying to lift up one type of leadership whether leading or following over the other like gretchen said both are so important and it is vital that we practice both roles. However, far too often we miss opportunities to become powerful followers because we are attracted and in a sense blinded by the glory and attention of being a leader. During my conversations with some of the guest speakers, a dance video was mentioned as a good way to show the need for followers. Of course, I had to check it out. And while the quality of the video is not the greatest, and it is a little weird, the content hits the nail on the head. So let's check this video out. If you've learned a lot about leadership and making a movement, then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. Hopefully the video helped put the impact and need for followers into a more relatable scenario and also gave you a good laugh.
Now that you've watched the video and heard from our speakers about the definition of followership, we're going to take this idea of followership apart and really see how we can incorporate it into our lives and into our leadership styles. There are a couple different key components to a healthy, courageous follower. I asked our featured voices what were the most important aspects of a follower in their experience, and this is what we heard back. First up, Kelly Finn from Brown University talks about being a critical follower. Following to me, especially in the Bonner lens, is also being like a critical follower. <laughs> like you can be on board, but still be asking questions and still be clarifying and still be pushing the group in a new direction. So just because you're a follower doesn't mean that you're um, just sort of blindly like lagging along at the back of the group, but uh, you're asking the right questions and being a part of the change process. Um, and I, I think that it's just as critical as leadership. And I think that leaders learn when they follow and the other way around too. So I think you sort of have to do both. And I think, I think about really good teams that I've worked on. People play all of those roles at the same time. Like there's not one leader and one follower or multiple followers, but you're all sort of like shifting roles. And I think, you know, that's what makes teams dynamic when people can do all of that. It is important to note that Kelly is not talking about being an unsupportive or rebellious follower, but rather to be an informed, critical thinker. Daniel Tomei takes this further and talks about the importance of being that critical follower and communicating through your followership position. Being able to communicate, I think, is the key part in being able to follow. Uh, taking direction is important, right? But you need to know where you're going and how you're going there. But being able to listen well to what direction is being given to you to ensure that you're making, a, you're making the right steps. Asking questions is a huge quality, right? That's necessarily uh, taken for granted. I don't know how many times I might ask, just let me know if you have a question. I'll be more than happy to help you out. And without, without me continuously emphasizing that, it, you know, I need to make sure that there's this is my a third quality, I would say, trust. You need to have a built trust for somebody to feel comfortable to ask questions, to make sure that you're being heard, right? And so there's a, there's a whole perspective on how are we communicating with one another to ensure that messages are being heard, they're clear, the direction and the, the point of view and perspective of what is at cost or the mission that's necessary to happen is at hand, taken care of, and it's been thoughtfully, you know, processed. You know, if I sum all these up, listening, being heard, you know, process, the concept of questioning, building trust, that really has a lot to do with just good communication skills. And that's, that's a key in regards to this type of work. Communication in the follower role is so, so important, and I think Daniel does a really good job of relaying some important information for us. Another really important component is work ethic. Mr. Shields touches on this aspect for us. Well, I mean, obviously you have to be able to, to take direction. You know, leaders, leaders have a vision, and part of our job is to implement the vision. And... And so I think you have to be clear about what your role is in implementing that vision that the leaders have articulated. So I think that's one thing. Motivation, work ethic, uh, I think is crucial. Leaders, they depend on that. 
they depend on the 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 followers not only just doing what they've asked them to do but do it enthusiastically doing it professionally doing it effectively uh you know uh, doing it doing it at a very high level so i think that's crucial i think personally the hard part for me is learning how to discern when to lead when to follow when to agree or when to insert my opinion i don't want my team or me personally to fall into the negative patterns of groupthink It's important that we are aware of and address these questions if we are going to be critical followers. I know if you're like me, the next words are going to be a little cringeworthy, but in order to address these questions, we have to talk about conflict and disagreeing with your leader. While it may be uncomfortable, these are important components of being a follower. Without this critical thinking, we are more prone to groupthink and limiting our teams and individual effectiveness. To start us off, Gretchen Milky talks about assessing situations and discerning when to lead and when to follow. Usually power dynamics are really great and really easy to make that happen. So if the president is in the room, you're not in charge. You're a follower. If your boss is in the room, you're not in charge. You're the follower. And I love fighting with my boss. It's fantastic. Like I really enjoy bosses who I can fight with because that means that I feel like I have a voice to say something. But like a couple weeks ago, they were like, you know, you have to either like get on board or get off. Okay, I can handle that. Like, I will do that. Not a problem. That means I need to shut up and follow. So I think that, like, situational is very easy to determine whether you need to be a leader or a follower. The hardest part is the internal work, right? Like, how does it feel to have to lead or, or make a decision about that you don't, that you don't want to do, that you don't want to implement, that you don't agree with? And you can't, you can't, you can't go tell everybody, like, no, we can't do this, or I don't think we should be doing this, because then you're going to get fired. So I think that you have to, um, it is very clear situationally, and who's in the room, the hierarchies in the room, of whether you lead or follow. And I think that you have to pick your battles. So someone once told me, like, you have a certain number of chips that you can spend um, in your battles, and you have to choose to spend them wisely. And I think that's so so true but I also think that those chips are also your leadership chips like you only have so many decisions as a leader that are yours and which ones are you going to fight for and 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 die on and or which ones are you actually like I got to change this is I'm not winning this and I need to be a follower even if I don't want to do it I think it's important to add that while there are times when we do just need to follow and don't have much power in the decision it is vital that we never follow blindly Here's Daniel Tomei to talk with us about this. I disagree with myself all the time. I, I disagree with my students all the time. I disagree with my colleagues all the time. I, I do not blindly follow. And it's because I am conscious of the communication that I am working uh, to ensure that I am being heard, that I am made sense of. When I recognize that I'm not being heard, mm-hmm. when I am unable to question or feel comfortable to, to really dive deeper, then I need to start taking a step back and reevaluating. Is this the right path to take? Is, this, is there something here that I don't know? My perspective is, there's a lot of times that folks are not going to want to listen. Why? What's the, what's the root cause as to why someone's not listening? Do they not feel connected? Is there a lack of understanding or transparency as to why 
this is the, the mission at hand? Is this the reason why that we are doing this, right? If I don't understand the vision and the mission, it's very difficult to then accomplish the goals and objectives to getting a task done, you know? And so that, that's a very institutionalized, organizational way of looking at something, right? But if I'm, if I'm a deep believer that higher education is here uh, to support the community because it's an outlet, but then at the end of the day, there's also some populations of folks that I work with and our colleagues that are very conscious of the numbers or that are really conscious of making sure that they're not out of a job. You know, I'm not going to deny that that doesn't play a role in the work that I do, but it's not the reason why I'm doing the work that I'm doing, or it's not the reason why I'm not following. And I think that's really important for us. Uh, uh, a follower, a leader, to take a step back, do some reflection, some deep reflection, and recognizing, is this the path that I'm supposed to be taking? And then on the other side, is this the path that everyone should be following? Maybe it's not the right match, and that's okay. You know, It's all about a relationship. I think my main concern in being a critical follower and not just following blindly is learning how to disagree and how to engage in healthy conflict with my leaders in a respectful way. Daniel Tomei shares his insight into this dilemma. One, addressing it, and two, taking a step back, right? So one, I would address something and take something forward if I knew I was going to be hurt. I would push back on something if I knew for a fact that the, the cause for me to be pushing was because I knew that there was a different way that could be done based on my own personal experiences, based on experiences that I've heard from others, knowing and having um, facts to back me up to confidently say, I'm well aware that your company has uh, a number of customer service uh, representatives who can help me with my problem. Though the solution you're offering me is not addressing the problem at hand. So you're not really listening to me. So I'm going to now provide you with multiple opportunities that I think you realistically can take care of right now. Could you be assured to know that I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at the situation, but I'm recognizing that we need to solve this problem together. Mm -hmm. And there are a variety of different steps that we can take forward. It's about meeting people at where they're at. So I'm not going to try to address something with somebody if they're not going to hear it. And that's when I would take a step back. I take a step back when I, when I know for a fact I'm not being heard. I'm not going to spend my time and energy on anyone that's not going to give me the same time and energy. And this is the benefit of working in higher education. I am very straightforward with students. You do not have to come and work with me whatsoever. You do not have to spend time with me. I am a very nice person. I, I also recognize that some folks don't like me, and that's okay. I'm not going to put time and energy into your you know, basket, and I don't want you to spend put time and energy in mine if you don't want to commit and that, I think, has a large part of making sure that we're making the right matches, the right connections, right? And it's struggle. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight, and it's not easy, and it doesn't, it doesn't just come out that way. It's a lot of confidence building, I think, to make sure that you can then feel comfortable, confidently say, yeah, that just wasn't, that just didn't work out. All right, I'm going to take a different approach. 
The last essential part of learning how to engage in a healthy conflict with your leader is the timing of the conflict. Gretchen Milkey has some really useful insight into this step. I think timing is really important. So you can have a crazy idea and it doesn't make it the wrong idea. It just may not be the right timing for that idea. Does that make sense? So like, um, so I would say like, don't give up on your idea as a student. Like it just, it may not be just not right now. It might be like, let's try again next year. I would say like, be willing to do the work. Change is really hard and change is hard for a lot of people. And I think that if you keep at it, slowly chipping away, it takes four years to make a change. Cause you gotta get everybody through. And so you gotta be really patient. So even from a university level, it takes even longer. So from student ideas and student change, like ask again next year, ask again next year. Your voice is really important. But I also think like I, my students have a lot of ideas and I love them. And I'm like, this is your program. This wouldn't be a program without student voice. If you're excited about this, then do it. The doing it part is a little harder. Like you have to mean it. Like you have to be willing to do the work. My students are really good at being like, here's like 16 ideas, but they want someone else to do it. I want the BLT to do it. I want you to do it. I want someone else to do it. So I think like be committed to your idea, be committed to the work that it's going to be and it also needs to be your vision my suggestion for radical change is like make it yours be willing to put in the hard work be willing to take the good and the bad that comes with needing to make change and be prepared to work at it for a long time change is slow um, it's wonderful it's important we need to keep changing in order to stay cutting edge in order to make the best decisions we need to have tough conversations because like status quo can be easy status quo can be great you know what i mean change is hard so i would say like Keep talking, keep using your voice. Don't be afraid to have those conversations, but be willing to put in the work. All this advice is really helpful for followers, but what's the leader's role in all of this? Mr. Shields from Guilford College gives us some really good advice to the leaders who may not be empowering their followers in healthy ways. From the leadership standpoint, there's a recognition of that the fact that you actually have followers. What's your responsibility? to the people that follow you, the people that, you know, I don't want to say under you, because like you said, it really should be more of a linear thing where we're, yes, you are the leader. Somebody has to be the leader, someone, but the book has to stop somewhere, but we're all working together. If you don't cultivate that relationship between leaders and followers, it's going to be really hard to get certain initiatives done. Uh, you know, a lot of times leaders just assume that you're competent at, at what you do. I think that's dangerous, mm -hmm. especially if as a leader, you haven't provided the resources for your people to be competent. So so if, if they've asked you to be part of a professional group, but you didn't want to pay the $45 fee, or they want to go to a conference, oh no, it's not in the budget. But then you turn around and you ask them to bring a certain level of competence to this new transformative initiative and then the leader finds out when it's too late well you know my people aren't really ready they're good followers because they're going to do what i've asked them to do but maybe they're not quite there yet the reality though is that even if a leader is doing their job well and in a healthy manner following is still sometimes a challenge and can be quite defeating gretchen gave some advice for followers when the going gets tough let's take a listen this is going to sound mean, but sometimes you just have to do it. It's like Nike. 
for followership, it's not like going to be like, woohoo, I'm going to be the follower. This is so great. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait. I really want it. It's always like the Nike situation. Just do it. Like, be like, have in Korea, they call it nunchi. It's like cultural sensitivity, being able to read someone, being able to see where you are in your emotions. Like, do you think you're losing this fight? And how many conversations have you had about this? <laughs> is this probably not going to be your battle to die on then you should probably go into your followership so it's not pretty it doesn't feel great it's not like woo, yay i'm a follower tonight it's you just have to do it so like i think it, there are times where like you just have to follow directions and we all have been like we all want to be empowered we all want to like have our day and you will you will have your day you will have your empowerment just because this one decision you did not win doesn't mean that you're not leaving and doesn't mean that your voice isn't heard. So I think kind of being comfortable with no, being comfortable with like not today, being comfortable with not winning like today, I think is just as important part of like today was yours and you're like at the top cheering that you want that like trophy. So I think in the follower side, like to really embrace the critique, to embrace the criticism, to seek it out, to be, to sit with the uncomfortable. It's not going to feel good. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but it's all part of the growing process as a leader and strengthening the left and the right leg. And you need both. While it may be a hard pill to swallow, sometimes working on a team is grueling work for both the leader and the follower. We see this so clearly from the experiences and insights of our guest speakers, but also in our own lives. I'm sure each of us has had experiences when it was not pleasant nor easy to be a part of a certain team or group. These experiences can both be growing, but also very exhausting and can create immense burnout if we do not have a sense of awareness of our needs and how to recoup from those hard experiences. In order to maintain a healthy body, mind, and spirit as a follower, we need to create a space for self-care and reflection just as much as a leader needs it in their own lives. Whether it be taking time to do something fun or relaxing or to do some journaling and personal reflection, taking time to check in with yourself and your health is essential to the success of any team. Daniel Tomei gives us some really helpful tips for incorporating self-care into our daily schedule. Pay special attention to the reflection tools he uses for personal development. So I teach a class, um, a freshman seminar, called Tools for Social Change. And in the course, we do a lot of uh, uh, self-awareness and social identity development work. And when I talk about self-awareness, right, because who wouldn't be doing this kind of work and (laughs) wouldn't talk about self-awareness as much as we do. And I think that's one of the biggest tools when it comes to self-awareness, right? I think providing some prompts usually are of our benefit. So Mm -hmm. really making sure that we know or that we can acknowledge. um, And let me even emphasize, let me me just talk about me. I know the only way that I can do anything in being uh, self-aware is recognizing how how do I feel? What am I thinking? What what's making this impact uh, the way that it is? So, I'll uh, with students, I'll really ask them to go deep. Um, do a lot of journaling, right? I, I spend a lot of time uh, making sure that folks are just being conscious of their surrounding. Um, what's going on, right? What did you eat that day, right? Or or how did you sleep, right? That plays a role in just being aware of how your attitude would then be the rest of the day or how you'll approach work or how you'll approach 
um, a task at hand that you have to deal with. I think uh, it's a skill that not many people are are able to pick up on. And I think it takes a lot of practice to better ourselves. It takes time to take a step back. And that reflection is the key to awareness. Um, my one prompt, and folks have joked with me, and I think I might actually get it tattooed on me. Um, we do plus minus deltas quite often. Uh, it is the go-to. I mean, anyone who's ever graduated uh, knows that I I give them sticky notes and uh, Sharpies as a gift because I remind them all they ever need to do is take a step back and see what, some of the good things that are going on, right? What's working? What mm-hmm. what what makes sense? Um, the negative, the minuses, right? What's, what's not working? What, what happened? What, what, what was it that could have been, uh, different, right? And the Delta, what are we going to do? That's going to make us move forward. What are we going to need to do to change? What needs to happen to make sure that this is going to be impactful? You know, simple tools like a plus minus Delta journaling, um, just being able to do some reflection, um, is really important. And I think at the end of all of this, when you ask me, the concept about self-awareness. I've been a big proponent on self-care. I also am the person who tells students, it's okay. You want to take a break? Go for it. What do you need to do to make yourself happy, right? Um, Life is short, and it's really important for you to acknowledge that and understand that you want to commit to yourself and not stress yourself out. We make it so hard on ourselves. Um, and so self-care is a really important tool to understand and to practice and to ensure that folks are well aware that I'm doing this because I'm trying to raise my awareness about myself. And if I'm genuinely trying to challenge myself, you don't need to look any further. Just look in a mirror. Now let's take a few moments to pause this video and reflect and use Daniel Tomei's reflection tool, plus minus delta. Jot down one or two things that are going well in your personal or professional lives, one or two things that you're struggling with or that are hard in your personal or professional lives, and a delta. Write one or two steps you could possibly take in order to improve the hard parts mentioned or just to improve your life in general. Now it's time for What Would You Do? where we give our guest speakers a conflict scenario and hear how they would respond based on their experiences, skills, and leadership styles. And take a step back and that's when I would say hey let's take a walk let's get a cup of coffee let's go around the lake <laughs> um what's going on uh you know I know you're so excited and you have so much energy and you want to accomplish so much and I think it's that is ambitious and we need to be realistic and so that's when you have a conversation about what is realistic to me may not be realistic to you. How do we make sense of coming to a common ground? How do we ensure that the goals that we have set, let's say for our summer planning, are actually going to be achievable, right? Yeah. So um, I have multiple tools of planning that our students go through. I have Everyone has to do their SMART goals. Everyone has to be very detailed-oriented in their program outlines, what their objectives are, their step-by-step process of how they go through that, right? Mm-hmm. Let me just emphasize something on a total side note. I am not a type A personality, right? 
I am all about like going with the flow, but I do all of this to teach and to educate the concept of understanding that uh, there are a variety of reasons why something's going to go wrong today. And I, my worst fear with somebody who has so much energy and is trying to lead folks and is disappointed, they're beating themselves up. Uh, they're not acknowledging or recognizing uh, the team that they had versus like they didn't go in with the army that they had. They made, they kept on making these assumptions, right? Oh, uh, well, you know, so-and-so didn't do this or, yeah. you know, uh, well, I could have done this better, you know, or I could have done it all and they didn't need to be there. Yeah, that's not the case. And that's, that's not what happened. I mean, we need to have a conversation about that. And it's okay for us to recognize that it's, it's a part of a process. What did you learn now? And what are you going to do the next time? Right? It's not reprimanding, right? There's no, it's, it's just. We make mistakes, we learn from them, we move on. Like, that's the process, right? Um, strategic uh, and constructive criticism is appropriate based on if it's asked for first. So I'm not gonna offer anyone feedback unless they are asking for feedback, okay? And I think that that's a very, it's, you know, in a day and age when we talk so much about consent, uh, I think that has a large role of that similar kind of perspective. It's about boundaries, it's about, recognizing how far am I allowed to take this conversation? How far am I allowed to acknowledge and recognize that we're about to touch something that might be really difficult for you to acknowledge and recognize that, you know, you're not a nice person. <laughs> Some people don't like you. Or yeah. your energy is too much and we need you to bring it down, right? A notch, right? Yeah. I have a colleague of mine who says, you're at a 10. I need you to be at a three because it's nine in the morning and I haven't had my first cup of coffee <laughs> And I think that's a part of that conversation of really acknowledging how we do our work together. Well, it sounds like in a situation like that one, you would need to work on team building, um, building a team where people feel comfortable sharing their um, differences of opinion, mm -hmm. uh, creating an, an environment where there's buy-in to the mission. Um, you know, People, people, people are just going to go through the notions and, you know, show up at eight, leave at five and not really care that, that much about the mission if there's not buy-in, you know, you know, as long as I get paid every month, whatever. Um, but I've found, especially in the work that we do, uh, and in, in higher ed in general, but especially in the work that we do, that type of dynamic where there's this push and pull between a leader and the followers that it just is not very um, effective. Um, we think it's important to mirror what we want our students to do when it comes to leadership. Um, and then I guess we'll be having these conversations too about what does, what does followership look like? Right. Um, and I think maybe that's a conversation maybe that, you actually have with your staff. Uh, I don't know that would come out of the gate, calling them followers because they're already kind of disgruntled mm -hmm. and apathetic or whatever. But I think there's a way to bring that conversation uh, to the staff without necessarily naming it, you know, immediately. But I think you really have to build an atmosphere where it's a team. 
you have to build an atmosphere so that when, even if the buck stops with you and you make the final decision on something, that you at least get input from people. So I think it's important to, to build a team. Uh, and, um, you know, if, if people don't appreciate that, then you've probably got a, a different type of situation going on. Now it's your turn. How would you respond to this situation? Pause the video for a couple minutes and reflect on your response. Remember to be aware of any biases or unhealthy thought patterns that may impede on your healthy decision-making skills. And that wraps up this episode in the series, Creating Agents of Change of the Bonner Broadcast. Episode three of this series is Finding Your Voice, which takes a look at how a person can develop their skills to become an effective change agent. This series is a part of the Bonner Pipeline Project and can be found on the Bonner Network YouTube channel or on our website, bonner.org. Subscribe to our channel for more trainings and resources. This episode has been made possible thanks to Claire Blim, Liz Brandt, Sarah Byler, Maria Guevara Carpio, Dr. Ari Hoy, and the Bonner Pipeline Project Committee. Special thanks to our featured guests, Kelly Finn, Gretchen Milkey, James Shield, and Daniel Fidalgo Tomei. Music in this episode was produced by Ben Sound. The first follower dancing video was by Derek Sivers. Thanks for taking time to learn with me today. Bonner love! <laughs>